0: Thanks for joining us for our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're currently in our series, Fresh Fruit, where we are diving into the fruit of the Spirit. As a believer, the fruit of the Spirit should be coming out of our lives. It should be shown in all that we say and do. Just as when you see an apple tree, you see apples on it. As a Christian, others should see you and see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. They should see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, they should see Jesus in us. Our vertical relationship with God must be lived out in our horizontal relationships with others. So let's jump in together to this week's message of Fresh Fruit. We're so glad you're here.
1: I'm Raffi Vilas.
2: I'm Ann Vilas.
1: What I love about Rolling Hills is the community here.
2: I think one of the misconceptions about joy is that you can't have joy through adversity. And that it has to be, you have to be at a happy place to feel joy. I personally think that you can see joy the most through hard things.
1: I was looking up some of the scriptures around joy, Proverbs 17, Mm -hmm. the idea that joy is good medicine. You can actually choose joy, you can choose to be joyful despite your circumstances, and you can actually influence people with joy.
2: People are searching for joy, sometimes in the wrong places, more of tangible things like, this this thing will bring me joy, doing this thing will bring me joy, this person will bring me joy, when really it's Christ alone and Just everything he has for us is really the complete picture of what joy is.
1: Well, good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. Welcome, everybody, here at our Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus. As well, I'm so thankful that we can worship our great God together. And welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Fresh Fruit. And we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. How do we live it out as Christ followers? You see, when you become a follower of Jesus, right? When you say yes to Christ, as God draws you to Himself, God places His Holy Spirit in you. So the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is the same power in you. The Holy Spirit is in You, and you and I are called then to live out the spirit, to live out the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. And we've said this, like, how do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? By the fruit, right? How do you know orange tree is an orange tree? By the the fruit, you look at the oranges there. How do you know a Christ follower is a Christian? By the fruit, it's the fruit of our lives. And so here's what the fruit is. It tells us in Galatians chapter five, but the fruit of the spirit is, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things, there is no law. And so you look at this, it's not the fruits, it's the fruit, right? It's not just one of these. It ought to be all of these growing in our lives. Now, we also know this, that you can quench the Spirit, right? That you can quench the Spirit and you can kind of start to live the things of the world. Last week, we looked at this, love. And we said, this is the most important because Jesus said of all the commandments, 613 laws in the Old Testament, the most important is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He said, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so I wanna ask you, are you growing in your love? Right, are you growing in your love for God? Are you growing in your love in your marriage or with your family or with your roommates, with your friends? Are you growing to be a more loving person? And then today we're looking at this, joy. Joy should come out of our lives when you are in Christ, right? That ought to be a distinguishing characteristic of us. That ought to be a fruit of the Spirit in us, in our hearts, in our lives. So let me ask you this morning, where are you on the joy meter? Okay, like if you had a joy meter and went from zero to 10, where are you? Not just anybody else, right? But what about you? Where are you on this joy meter today? Maybe you would say, well, I'm probably a three, okay? You know, life's been kind of hard. A lot of things going on. I've got all these things that I'm fighting. I probably have about, you know, level three joy in my life. Maybe you would say, well, I'm probably about six. You know, I've got a great life. Things are good. Things are happening. And I do have some problems. I got some challenges. And so sometimes I get distracted. And I'm probably a six. Well, let me ask you, what would it take for you to be a ten? Did you think that you can leave each day as a 10? Do you think you could have that kind of joy in your life? Well, God says you can. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have a Bible with you, I invite you up with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter five. So if you also, if you've got a worship guide, I'd love for you to pull that out. We're going to take some notes today because this is an important one for all of us. If you're online, you go to the Rolling Hills app and you can find the scripture there. You can also find a place to take notes. But 1 Thessalonians, so kind of toward the back of the Bible, New Testament, you got Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians right there and that are all these letters that the apostle Paul wrote. And then you come here to 1 Thessalonians. First and 2 Thessalonians was written by the apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica. So he's writing there to this church and he's encouraging them to live in the spirit. He's encouraging them to grow in their faith. And that's what he's talking about. And then you come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 and he says this rejoice always. What do you mean? I mean, sometimes things are hard. Yeah, right. Rejoice always. <laughs> Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now notice he doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances because there are challenges we face in this life. We live in a broken, fallen world, right? God created it, it was perfect. And then man sinned. We have sin that we deal with. You know, hurt people hurt people. But he says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A lot of times people come to me and they go, I just want to know what God's will is for my life, right? And, and I know what they're asking, right? You know, what job they should take or if they should date this boy or this girl or, you know, if they should get married or, you know, if they should move to this place or, or what, what those kinds of decisions. I believe God's in all those decisions. I believe we pray about that. We seek God's will for our life. But if you want to know what God's will for your life is every day, Here it is, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now look at the next verse. Do not quench the spirit, okay, (laughs) right? Don't quench the spirit, because when you are growing in Christ, fruit will come out. Jesus said this, if you remain in me and I will remain in you, John 15, right? You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But what we do so often is we try to live apart from Jesus. We chased after the things of this world. And here's what happens, right? The world tries to sell us happiness. Remember last week we talked about this love. And then we said that the world tries to sell us a cheap imitation of love called lust. All right. And the world, that's what it does. Lust is a must have it now. And so, you know, guys, you have to guard what you watch. Because the pornography industry, man, it's coming after you. It really is. It's on your phone, it's on your computer. It's everywhere, right? Because Satan knows, man, you're going to settle for lust. I must have it. Now, women, you have to watch your relationships, where you are emotionally, right? Your emotional affairs. And so, so that's what the world will try to sell you, lust. But we all want love. We all want to be fully loved. We want to be fully known and fully accepted. That's what we want in our lives. The same is true with joy. We all want real joy. But the world comes along and says, hey, settle for this. Now, lust is terrible, right? The happiness isn't bad in and of itself, but it's a cheap imitation for what God wants for you because happiness is a feeling. Look at that. And feelings come and feelings go, right? Sometimes we're happy. Woo, my team won. It's great. It's awesome. And then we lost, right? We're out of the playoffs. We got to go home and we got to wait till next year. And it's like, All of a sudden, up and down, up and down. I'm happy, yay, you know, we're dating. Oh, they broke up. Oh, you know, it's like up and down. And we follow this, right? We live in this country with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so everybody's pursuing this happiness. I want that feeling, I want that feeling. But here's the other thing about happiness. Happiness is always changing. It's always changing. What used to make you happy at one point in your life may not make you happy anymore. Right? You thought, man, if I just get those shoes, whoo, I'm gonna be looking good I'm gonna get those shoes, and it to be great. It'd be great. You know, I'm gonna be three inches taller, it'll be oh, I'll look good. I'm gonna get those shoes, right? And then all of a sudden, six months later, they're at goodwill. Why? Because you were like, they don't make me happy anymore. They hurt my feet. I don't like them. I don't know. There's something new, there's something different. It's always changing. And that's what happens in our life. Right? We run after this and it makes us happy for a little bit, and then it changes. And that's why, if you're a parent, I would just say this to you, right? Sometimes you ask parents, you're like, what do you want for your kids? And they go, I don't care, just as long as they're happy. I'm like, that's a cop out, come on. I mean, mean, really, it's gonna be up and down. What if you said, I don't know, but I want my kids to love Jesus. I want my kids to be solid in the Lord. I want them to have a spiritual foundation. There you go, right there. But man, we settle for this happiness and then we live this roller coaster life. We're up and we're down. Why? Because happiness is dependent on circumstances. Man, when I got money in the bank account, woo! I'm happy, let's go out. And then all of a sudden there's nothing there. And you're like, oh, it's terrible. The world's falling apart, right? You know, I'm happy. Things are great at my job. And now all of a sudden it's not, right? It it just changes because it's dependent on circumstances. Think about this. We live in the United States of America, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You would think that everybody here would be happy. We would be the happiest nation on the face of the earth because we're the wealthiest nation that's ever existed in the history of mankind. And if money can buy happiness, then we ought to be so happy. But are we all happy? I mean, just pull up social media and just look at the rants that go. And you're like, wow, you're not happy. You're bitter. You're angry, right? You go to the cable news network. Man, I was like, what in the world? Why? Because everybody's pursuing this. And it's dependent on circumstances. And my candidate wins, he doesn't win. I don't know what's going to happen. That's what happens right there. However, praise God for this. However, God gives us joy. Woo! Praise God for joy. Joy is so much deeper and richer than happiness is ever going to be. Why? Because joy comes from God. (laughs) I mean, think about that. God doesn't Change. He is sovereign over all. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, man, if I'm going to hook my wagon, I'm going to hook my wagon to God. I'm going to trust in Him and not just the things of this world that are here today and gone tomorrow. Look at this. Joy is a gift. I mean, think about that. How awesome that our God is a God of joy. How awesome that our God wants you to have a great life, wants you to experience the fullness of life. What a gift. What a gift when we receive it and when we live in it. Here's what Jesus says. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Never thought about that? I mean, Jesus wants you to have a great life. He wants you to have your best life ever. That's what he wants. That's why he created you. He wanted you to flourish. He wants you to reach your full potential. He has a great life for you, but... We've got an enemy. We've got an enemy, the thief, Satan, the devil. And he comes, why? To steal, steal our joy, kill our relationships and destroy our lives. And you're thinking, well, what have I done to Satan, right? Well, Satan hates God. He knows he can't get to God. So he goes after God's children. He goes after God's children. So let me ask you this. What steals your joy? What steals your joy? What robs your joy? I think there's a few things. One, (laughs) Comparison, man, comparison gets us, doesn't it? We're so happy things are good or we have this joy or things are great in our family. And then all of a sudden we get online. We're like, whoa, how did they get to go on this vacation? Right, they got more than I, that looks awesome. My life's terrible. Look at that. They're living the dream. I'm not, right? We start comparing ourselves all the time. We compare, we go back and forth. You know, we get happy. We get a new car we think it's a great car. And then we drive by and we're like, well, what about that car? Right? (laughs) When did they get that? I don't know. And wait a minute. But we do that all the time. We start comparing ourselves and it steals our joy. I want you to think about this for a second. Just by virtue of you living here in Williamson County, and I know there's people watching all the United States, but wherever you are, right? But, But by virtue of you living here, you're in the top 3% of the wealthiest people in the entire world. And yet, what do we do? We compare ourselves to the top 1%. We're like, well, look at them, right? And maybe if I could just get more money and more things and more stuff, I could get up there. We never compare ourselves to the 97% of people behind us, do we? We never sit there and go, well, I'm not living in a mud hut. You know, I mean, half the world lives on less than $3 a day. Why do I have all this? It's crazy how our comparison goes the other way, right? And it steals our joy, steals our joy. Look at this, the second one, worry. Worry, woo, worry steals our joy, doesn't it? Man, it steals our joy. Let me ask you a question. Do you know that God loves you? Thank you, one person. Great, thank you. I appreciate that. Preach every week. I tell you God loves you every week. We got one person. That's it, all right? No, let me ask you again. Do you know that God loves you? Yes. Awesome. Do you know that God loves you? Yes. Awesome. Do you know that God has a great plan for your life? Yes. yes. So why do we worry? I mean, really, right? I mean, like when it pulls down, if we know that God loves us, He's sovereign over all. We are His children. You're always going to take care of your kids. We know He has a great plan for us. Why do we spend so much time right here. When statistically, 95% of the things we worry about never come to fruition. (laughs) But boy, we worry. And what does it do? It steals our joy. Steals our joy. What about this one? What about this one? Jealousy. Right? Man, what about them? What about that? Oh, if I only had that, man, I would have so much joy, right? I would have that if I only, only won the lottery. That person that won the billion plus dollars, oh man, if I only had that. Forget that 70% of people who win the lottery are broke within five years. But man, if I had that, right? It's gonna bring joy. Oh, this thing steals joy. It always does. And that's where we have to guard our hearts and guard our lives. You know, when you're looking here in First Thessalonians the Apostle Paul's writing to these churches. He wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. And he's writing this letter, it's called Philippians. It's great, it's only four chapters. You ought to read it sometimes, it's amazing. And he, he writes, and the whole letter is about joy. It's amazing, it's about joy. He's talking about joy. And he talks about right there in verse three, right? I thank my God, every time I remember you, and I always pray for all of you with joy because of your partnership with the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he will begin a good work in you, Will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, the whole letter is full of joy. Now, where was the apostle Paul writing this letter from? Prison, prison, and you're thinking, "Wow, that's different." There's something different there. Here's what he learned: right, joy is a command. Joy is a command. It's a command for all of us. Rejoice, be joyful always. Pray continually, even in prison, even when it's hard. Even when things are challenging? Yes, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus because we're saying, I trust that God's got a plan. I trust that God has a purpose. See, joy is based on a relationship with Christ. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based on Christ. Joy is based on him. And for us to know that and to live that. And that's what God wants for us. Joy, right, it's not the absence of problems, but learning to rejoice even in the struggles. Joy is not the absence of problems. We're going to have problems. We're going to have issues. We're going to have challenges that we face in this life. We are, but how do we respond to that? How do we do that? How do we do that in a way that's going to bring honor and glory to God? That's what our call is right here. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter four. He says this, I've learned to be content... Whatever the circumstances, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in want or plenty, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've learned to be content. You know, we were talking, we have our communicators meeting, we have all of our campus pastors come together, and we work through passages, we talk through things. And and we talked about this, we said, remember love, We, we talked about this, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. Okay, so if you get to a point in your marriage, you get to the point where your kids, you get to the point where your roommates or your people around you and you don't care, red flag. Okay, red flag. That'll be like, hold on, man. Where, where's my heart going? What's happening right here? But I said this, I mean, well, what is the opposite of joy? What is the opposite of joy? And here's what we came up with, discontentment. When you get to a point in your life, you're just discontent with everything. Then that starts to steal that joy in you. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, here's the secret. I've learned the secret of being content. Right In every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether one or plenty, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's being rooted in Christ. The Old Testament prophet Habakkuk, amazing Habakkuk, he writes this. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful in God, my Savior. That's spiritual depth, okay? People talk about spiritual depth, spiritual maturity. I'll just tell you love, joy, trust, faith, in the middle of not knowing what's gonna happen because you know the one who is in control. You know the one who has got you. You know the one who is with you. So here's the question The question becomes this Do we love God? Or just his gifts? I mean, think about it for a moment. Do I love God with all my heart? You know, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. God, whatever happens, I love you. I'm holding on to you. Or do I just love his gifts? Do I get caught up in that? Oh, man, you know, things aren't going my way. Hold on, hold on, hold on. See, joy is a choice. A choice you make. I can quit the spirit, I can live in the spirit. I can trust that God's got a plan, I can trust that God's got a purpose. I can hold on to him. Here's what James writes, James chapter 1. He says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance." Now, how many of us go, "Woohoo, I get to go through a trial," right? You know, I'm going to consider it pure joy. I'm facing this trial. But what is he saying here? He's saying when you go through those trials, when you go through those struggles, you realize, hold on, it's developing my faith. It's developing my trust. Am I growing in this area when I face trials? Maybe before, right? Before when you would get in a fight with your spouse or your kids and you would go, oh, I said things I shouldn't have. I regret it, I'm so frustrated. And you would leave with that guilt or that shame. And now you go, okay, we're having a disagreement. I'm not excited about this, but man, let's talk through this. Let's work through this. Let me handle this in a godly way because I'm going to face trials. I'm going to face struggles, but how do I walk through it in a way that's going to build perseverance in my life? It keeps going, it says perseverance must finish, and become mature and complete so that you're not lacking anything in this world, right? You know, this past week was a challenging week for my family. We took my oldest daughter to college. And nobody prepares you for this, okay? I gotta tell you, if you're a parent out there and you got a preschooler, I'm just telling you, cherish every moment, okay? Just hold on to them because we took my daughter to college and we dropped her off 700 miles away. And you leave her at that school and you get in the car and you start driving back and it's the trail of tears. I mean, my wife's just crying, you know? And I'm like, we're gonna see her again. It's gonna be okay, you know? I'm like, well, it's gonna be all right. But But there is this moment, man, this moment where you're like, Oh my goodness, she's there, right? And, and what happened? But here's the thing, right? You know that you're putting her in the hands of God. You know, and so there, even in the midst of that, there was joy. I'm going, you're gonna experience so much life. You're gonna meet some of your best friends. You're gonna grow spiritually. And you know that there's joy even in the midst of man, this awful time of leaving them there at school. Here's the thing I would say to you too. A lot of times parents will come to me and they'll ask me about, hey, homeschool or private school or public school. And I wanna tell you, all three are great options. It's really what's best for you. It's really what's best for your kids. And God could use it in all of those situations. What I would say is more important than all three of those, having your kids in church, having your kids grounded in the word, having their kids have a spiritual foundation, having your kids love Jesus. Because the fact is I left my daughter there, but I left her in the hands of Jesus. And I know she's going to grow in Christ. She has been here all of her life. And many of you have taught her in study school and Bible studies. She's been in preschool, children, and students. You've poured into her and she's ready and she's going to grow and she's going to flourish. And I'm thankful for that. But I also know this, she's going to face trials of many kinds. She's going to face struggles. I'm going to face struggles. There'll be more struggles that come in the future. But am I grounded in the word of God? Or am I just holding on to this idea of happiness? And then am I going to struggle? Hey, what about your kids? What about you? Are you grounded in Christ? Because here's the thing, right? Joy results from God's spirit at work in you. Joy results from God's spirit at work in you. And when you are diving in the word, when you're at church, when you're a community group or men's group or women's group or a Bible study and you're growing in the Lord, all of a sudden what begins to result in you is joy. It's joy. A.W. Tozer, Tozer's awesome. Tozer wrote, we must build the inward habit of beholding God. Have you built that inward habit of beholding God? Be joyful always. Pray continually. Prayer is not just say, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna, you know, kneel down by my bed and I'm gonna take this, you know, five minutes to pray and then I go and live life however I want to. Prayer is an ongoing conversation with God. Prayer is inviting God, okay, I'm in this meeting and it's gonna be tough. God, give me wisdom. God, guard my tongue. God, speak through me. God, uh, there's a disagreement happening right now with my kids. God, guard what I have to say. God, I pray peace over our house. God, speak through me, build this inward habit of beholding God. Here's a simple acronym for joy. Joy is this, Jesus first. <laughs> Jesus first. And so often what we wanna do is put our needs first, right? But I've got this problem, I've got this issue, I need this help. And But yet if we started there, Jesus, I want you first in my life. I wanna hear from you. I wanna hear from you. You know when Jesus, right, was, Born in Bethlehem, the angels announced, I bring you good news of great joy. Great joy. Frederick Binkner he writes this. This is so good. He says, the world is full of suffering indeed. And to turn our backs on it is to work a terrible unkindness, maybe almost more on ourselves than on the world. But life indeed is also to be enjoyed. I suggest that even be the whole point of it. I more than suspect that is why all the sons of God and daughters Shouted for joy when he first brought it into being. And what you begin to find is when you put Jesus first, there's a joy and a richness and a depth in your life that doesn't come from you, it comes from him. Jesus first, others second. Others second. Has there ever been a time in your life that you've regretted generosity? Has there ever been a time in your life you've regretted helping somebody? No, no. Has there ever been a time in your life that you've regretted being selfish? Oh yeah, (laughs) right? But what we begin to discover is, man, if I could put others before myself, I, I can take care of others, I can help others. You and I know that when we minister to people, when we love people, when we serve people, when we help people, whether it's our kids or our family or our friends or other people, we feel so great. Why? Because we're putting others before us. Jesus first, others second, and then yourself third. Then yourself. And when you and I have this right perspective, it changes us. We begin to be people of joy. One of my favorite authors is a guy named C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis, he grew up kind of going to church with his family, but wasn't real active, wasn't super involved. About the age of 15, as a teenager, he just walked away from it. He said, I don't know if I believe in this. I don't know if there's a God. And he became this atheist, right? Almost against God. He becomes this great intellectual thinker and he, Goes, becomes a professor at Oxford and Cambridge and just incredible mind. But all the while he knew there was something missing inside. All the while God is drawing him to himself. All the while he knew there had to be more to life. I mean, you just look at the world and you kind of go, there has to be a God. All this didn't just happen. And this guy's really smart. He's intellectual, right? He's like, wait a minute, there's gotta be more. There's gotta be more. And he had a friend, J.R. Tolkien. Tolkien, you may recognize, right? The Lord of the Rings, so they start having these conversations, and Tolkien begins to pray for him and begins to walk with him and says, Hey, let me talk to you about Jesus. And one night, C.S. Lewis gets down by his bed. He said, I was the most reluctant convert in all of England. But here I was. I get down by my bed, and I say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Make me new. Make me whole. Jesus, I'm yours. And he gives his life to Christ. And he goes on to become this incredible, you know, evangelist, apologist. I mean, he just does this radio shows. It's unbelievable. He's wrote over 30 books, The Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity. If you're checking out Christianity, incredible book, right? I mean, the Screw Tape Letters. But when he wrote his autobiography, you know what he titled it? Surprised by Joy. He goes, I didn't think that when you were a Christian, what was going to come was joy. I thought it was chasing after the world, right? I thought it was all these pleasures and all of these things. But what you end up with is regret. What you end up with is guilt and shame. And when you are in Christ, what comes is this depth and this richness and this joy. That's what God wants to do in your life. That's how God wants you to live, right? Not a three on the joy meter. at a 10, because you're walking with Jesus. See, joy and gratitude walk hand in hand together. And when you are grateful, When you are thankful, right? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. I picture just walking hand in hand, right? With your son or your daughter when they were little. (laughs) And man, you just felt that love. You're walking hand in hand with your spouse. You're walking hand in hand with your best friend. You're just walking hand in hand with God. When you have that gratitude, then what comes in your life is this joy, this joy. Hey, recognize God's grace in your life and live in his joy. Would you recognize what God's done in your life? You know, so often, Pad, we want to be somewhere else in life, right? We, we live our lives looking at, hey, what's the next opportunity? What's the next thing? What's the next event that's going to happen? The next pleasure that's going to come in? But I want to encourage you be where you are, be fully present, be grateful in your marriage. Be thankful for your kids. Be grateful for where you live. Be a person of saying, God, you put me here for a reason, and for a purpose. And I don't want to spend my life with regret. I don't want to spend my life with worry or comparing myself to everybody else. I want to be a person of joy right here, right now. Guys, we get so caught up in winning and then thinking, when all this goes right in my life, then I'll have joy. When all these things happen with my kids, then I'll have to, no, 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 no. Now, because of you focusing on the love of Christ and allowing God's spirit to work and well up inside of you. You know, one of the heroes in my life is a lady named Sari Zill. And Sarah started coming to our church right when we started early on as a church. And, And Sarah was born with brittle bone disease. And she never grew kind of over three feet. She spent her whole life in a wheelchair. Um, Sarah, though, had a smile that would light up a room. And she would roll in her wheelchair and just everybody saw her. Man, you're just like, wow, Sarah, Sarah. Sarah went to Vanderbilt. She graduated madna cum laude from Vanderbilt. She went to Peabody there, got her master's, graduated with honors and her master's. Went on to teach at Vanderbilt Hospital. When she would teach there and then every Sunday she would roll into church. We were in the movie theater. She would come rolling in, right, and teach in kids ministry. When we moved here, she was so excited because she had her own classroom and kids just loved her, right? They loved her. I remember one little boy said to Sarah, said, Sarah, why do you have any legs? Why are you in that chair? And Sarah said, well, you know, God gave some people legs and other people he gave wheels, I got the wheels, you know. <laughs> He's like, oh, she's like, I'm really fast. She just had that way about her. She taught my kids, maybe some of your kids. And there, was, there was a richness to Sarah. When we moved into this building, you know, it was just an empty warehouse, right? And we, and we scraped together and God did a miracle to get us in here. And, and here we were in this building and there was just hardly anything in here. And we put a big board up. And it was black and we had a, some white paint down here and a paintbrush. And, and we said, we want to invite you. There were a couple hundred people here. It was a Sunday morning. We had about 10 people. We said, we want to invite these 10 people to come up and just write one word that describes God to you. One word that describes God to you. And somebody came up and wrote love. And somebody came up and wrote father. And somebody else wrote, you know, sovereign, that he's in control. And somebody else wrote Grace. And we were all sitting here, and here comes Sarah. She rolls up in her wheelchair. She rolls up the ramp. She grabs that white paintbrush, and on that blackboard, she just writes, joy. And in the middle, she put a smiley face. She says, that's God. I tell you right there, man, God just got my attention. It's like, whoa. And this woman exuded joy. About eight years ago, Sarah went home to be with Jesus. We had a celebration of life service right here. But before Sarah went home to be with Jesus, you know what she did? She said, Jeff, I, I want my legacy to be what I did for the kids at Rolling Hills. And so she gave the money to build that playground that's back there, the preschool space. So every time your kids come down that purple slide, every time they start laughing or jumping around and playing, you can think of Sarah Ezel she said I want kids to know Jesus I want them to love coming to church I want them to be a place where man they can't wait to be because I want them to know the joy that God's brought in my life what about you do you have that kind of joy do you know that God's got a plan for you God's got a purpose for you would you live in that kind of joy Maybe you're here today and you've never committed your life to Christ. Man, you've been chasing after every pleasure in this world. You think it's going to bring you happiness and you know it's a roller coaster. And your life, you just feel it today. You're like C.S. Lewis at the age of 32. You go, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Heal me, restore me, redeem me. Jesus, I want you change your life. Surprised by joy. Maybe today, your joy is not fresh. It's fresh fruit. And God's saying, hey, look, is the joy of the Lord your strength? Are you growing in this? Or are you quenching the Spirit? Is there joy in your marriage? Is there joy with your kids? Is there joy in your own heart? Where's your joy? I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God is here. And I know God has brought you here. And I know that he loves you with an everlasting love. Would you trust him today? Would you give him your worries? Would you give him your heart? Would you place your life in his hands? I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. In your heart and your life, <laughs> is your joy fresh? Maybe today you go, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive my sins. Heal me, restore me, make me yours. (laughs) Jesus, come into my heart. Maybe for you, oh, restore the joy of my salvation, oh God. Restore that joy when I first came to know you and I was so happy and I, I knew you had a plan. I knew you had a purpose. You're my heavenly father. Restore that joy. God, restore the joy of my marriage. Restore the joy. With my friends, God, rejoice. Restore the joy in my heart, in my life. So Father God, we need you. This world battles us, God. We get caught up in the comparisons. We get caught up in the jealousy. God, today we want to get caught up in you. We want to focus on you. We want to fall in love with you. God, we want you to be our joy, our love, our life. Thank you for Jesus and the hope that we have. Thank you that you're a God of joy and that you have a plan for us. We trust you today. And it's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen, amen.
0: That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so that you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? check out the Making History and Parenting podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful you spent some time with us today. We'll see you next time.